So our reading this morning is from the book of uh, Ephesians, and we're turning to chapter 2 of Ephesians, reading verses 1 to 10. Now this, this is one of my favourite uh, passages uh, in the Bible, and you know what's written here is true of everyone who has put their trust in Jesus, and is true of uh, Shona and Calvin, and it's, it truly is a wonderful passage, and it's on page 1173. So Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of, of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who was rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us, in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That takes me back to my youth. Bought tickets one Christmas for me and my brother to go and see Bon Jovi at Wembley. Um, dead or alive? What comes into your minds when you hear that phrase? For me, it's the Wild West, the cowboy films, the old westerns where the sheriff would pin up on a board, wanted, dead or alive, with the names of a notorious outlaw underneath and a price on their head. But did you know, because it's America, it still carries on pretty much to this day. Have you seen this before? The FBI's most wanted. I went there this week. Can't see any of you in here today on there. If you all sit still, because there's a large reward on your head. So I blanked out this guy's name. He's been on the run for many years. If you spot him, he's worth 200 grand. Okay, and, uh, so if you... If, $200,000, and he's not, even, he's not even the prime catch. There is a drugs baron on there, and if you find information leading to his arrest, the American government will pay you $20 million for information leading to his arrest. So, wanted, dead or alive. And the only reason I knew about the FBI's most wanted wasn't because these guys get arrested, do you remember when Osama bin Laden was killed? On the America's most wanted list. 
Often when someone gets blown up by a drone in a cave, it turns out they were on America's most wanted list. Although it's 20,000 for the arrest or 20 million for the arrest or whatever it is, they're actually wanted dead or alive. And what this passage here today that Andy read for us a few minutes ago says to each and every one of us here this morning, whether you're someone who, like Shona and Calvin, would say, yeah, I'm fully signed up for this. I'm 100% certain there's a God. He is as he is in Jesus, and he's rescued me. Whether you're visiting here today, and there's a lot of visitors here today, and you're not sure or you're certain there isn't, the Bible actually says that dead or alive, we will do business with the God who made us and the God who came for us in Jesus Christ. And this passage is one of the bluntest in the whole Bible. Like Andy, it's one of my favorites, but it doesn't duck any punches. I don't know if any of you stayed up to watch Tyson Fury last night. They weren't dodging any punches then. They both men hit the canvas before. Actually, I won't tell you the result. Just in case you're going back and you've paid a lot of money to watch the fight, I will keep quiet on what happened last night. Um, but it was a, it was a, it was a heavy um, weight contest. And this passage is heavy weight. And it runs through three things, as you can see them on the screen up there. It begins with the bad news. And it sounds like a contradiction. It says, we're born dead. That's each and every one of us. Each and every one of us born dead without Christ. That's the bad news. Then in verse 4, it changes and says that each and every one of us can be made alive in Christ or with Christ. And then finally, it shows how we can live each day by grace for the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's what we're going to do today. It's simple, it's straightforward, but it's not easy listening. Okay, it's not easy at all. Let's get into these first verses here. It says, as for you, Paul's talking to those Christians a couple of thousand years ago nearly, living in Ephesus, and he's spelling out for them how their life was before they knew Jesus. He says to them, you were born dead without Christ. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time. Paul's saying, I was no different. All of us. It's not just you. All of us. And Paul was from a Jewish background. They weren't. He's saying, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its sinful desires and thoughts like the rest. We were by nature deserving of wrath. In these three verses, Paul spells out a 3D image of humanity. You'll see it there. So it says in verse 1, those first few words, as for you, you were dead. That's what he says there. Then in verse 2, right at the end there, just before it reaches verse 3, it says you were disobedient. And then in verse 3, towards the end, he says you were deserving of God's wrath. It is a 3D image of humanity without Christ. We were dead, born dead in our trespasses and sins. What does that mean? Well, it means this. Our trespasses are the times where we know we've done wrong, where we've gone too far where we've deliberately gone against what we know to be right. We defy our conscience and we break God's law. So, for example, some of you have heard of the Ten Commandments. You'll know some of them by heart. Do not murder, do not steal, do not commit adultery, do not lie. And we know those things. But at times in our lives, we might not murder people, but Jesus says we get filled with anger and hatred. 
and we actually respond to people, not out of love, but out of hate. And Jesus says that goes against and beyond my command. We transgress. At times we take things that don't belong to us. At times we sleep with people who we're not married to. And Jesus says in all of those ways we transgress his commands. Sin is different. Sin's where you don't go as far as you should. It's where you see someone in trouble and you walk by on the other side. It's when you've got something that could help them, but you don't want to give it away. The Bible says the top two commands are these. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And you shall love your neighbor, which is everyone, as much as you love yourself. And in those two ways, not one of us can say, I have never failed. Not one of us loves God with all of our heart. Not one of us loves our neighbor as we love ourselves. And so Paul says we're dead in those transgressions and sins in which we used to live when we followed the ways of this world. Because what happens next is, when you hear that kind of list of things, you think, well, actually, I'm not as bad as the guys on the FBI most wanted. And we look around us, and our inner lawyer fires up, and we think, hey, I'm better than most people I know. Hey, I've had a hard life. My life has been difficult. If God only knew what it was like for me, well, then he would excuse these things. His law can be lowered to my level. And that's just the way of this world. It has been from the very beginning. The human beings have just looked around and kind of relativized what God says and said, oh, it doesn't really mean that. It's not, it doesn't really mean what it says. Right, we're going to make up our own rules, our own morality, our own way of living. That's the way of this world. And we like to think we're free, that we're just making our own rules. But the Bible says it's not as simple as that. It says, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, just what everyone else is doing, and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. That is a very unusual expression, but it says next, who is at work in those who are disobedient. Shona and Kelvin have testified that Jesus is their Lord and Master. Others in here would do the same. Most who don't believe in him would either say they follow another religion or they're free. But the Bible tells a different story. It says there is a power at work in this world that is too great for us. That's why Paul describes it as the spirit of the air. We live down here on the ground. I don't see anyone floating. Okay, so that's where we live. And he's the spirit of the air. He's above us. He's too powerful for us. He is everywhere, and his influence is pervasive. There are times when we see it. You just see the evil that human beings do, and you think, how could a human being do that? And you realize there's more at work. Some of you know I had family killed by the Nazis. There was an evil at work in that regime beyond just the decisions the individuals made. Yes, they made decisions. Yes, they're culpable. But there was something truly evil at work. You see a glimpse of it in Afghanistan today. Something truly evil is at work. And the Bible names it and calls it out so that we might know what it is. It's the spirit of the kingdom of the air who is now at work of those who are disobedient. We're dead. We're disobedient. But the worst thing of all of this is verse 3. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. You see, your biggest problem isn't the things that you do or you don't do right or wrong. 
Your biggest problem isn't that there is Satan, because at the end of the day, you can't blame him. It is that God's wrath is on all of us without Jesus Christ. That's where we begin. It's where we're born. There's an American pastor who I like called Paul Tripp. And he has, I think, a number of children. He has got a number of children. I just don't know what the number is. Uh, Anyway, uh, one of his sons started walking early. It's a nightmare for any parent. Those of you who had children who walked under a year old will know it is a nightmare once they start walking because suddenly they can reach stuff. So you've moved everything up a couple of feet so it's out of reach. They can crawl, but they can't reach. Suddenly they're up higher and they're yanking stuff and the remote control is the only thing they ever want. Anyway, Paul Tripp tells the story that one of his children, I think under a year old, just started walking. And the first thing they did was to come into the living room and try and ram their fingers straight into an electric socket. Why is it children want to do that? They're born with a death wish. So Paul immediately kind of said, look, don't do that. Told him off. And he stopped playing with the socket. The next day, Paul was sat in his armchair reading a newspaper, and his little boy toddled in and could see that Paul was reading the newspaper. So he thought, our dad's distracted. So he went straight back to the socket, which he'd tried to put his finger in before. But here's the thing. Before jamming his fingers back in the socket, the first thing he did was look over his shoulder to check whether or not his dad was watching. That, in an instant, is humanity. We know what's wrong. We've been told not to do it. But what we want to know is, is anyone going to notice and watch as we do it? That's you. That's me. That's how we live in God's world, as if he isn't there, as if he doesn't care, as if his rules don't really apply to us, as if we're a special exempt case. But the Bible says there are no special exempt cases. We don't have to teach children to be naughty. We have to teach them to be good. We're born with a bent towards rebellion, towards sin, towards transgression. And the good news is God doesn't overlook it. So when we're hurt badly by people, and I have been, and I'm sure you have been, and no justice has been done, a day is coming when it will be. The bad news is, That's true for me too. All the people I've hurt, the terrible things I've said at times to my boys, the times I've lost my rag with Susan. A day of accounting is coming for me too. We are all by nature objects of God's wrath. And the bad news is, not one of us can save ourselves. But the good news here is that you don't have to. Did you see what it says in the next little bit? It says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. What I want you to notice here is this. The Bible says, you and me, we're deserving of God's wrath, his settled anger at everything we've done wrong that's denied him and hurt others. But look at his heart for you here. Did you see that? 
but because of his great love for us. We're going to come back to that in a minute. But he loves you. And he not only loves you, but he's rich in mercy. It's not that he has a limited amount. He has an amazing amount of mercy, and he wants to be merciful to you. And then it goes on to describe his grace. Did you see that in verse 7? That in, the, that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. He's rich in mercy. But when it comes to grace, his grace is incomparable. He has so much to give. The question is, do you want it? Do you want what he has to offer you? It's not whether he has enough. It's not whether he wants to reach out to you in mercy and grace and love. He does. And it's all because, do you see the last word there? Expressed in his kindness. He's a God who is kind. How is his heart towards you this morning? You who might have spent your whole life living your life your way, living as if he isn't there and doesn't care. How does he feel? He loves you. How does he feel? He feels merciful towards you. How does he feel? He feels gracious towards you. How does he feel? He feels kind towards you here today. You might have had the worst week of your life and he feels that way towards you. His heart is for you. How do we know that? Because in another one of his letters, Paul said these amazing words about God's love. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Those may be some of the greatest words ever written. God demonstrates his love. It is practical and it is applied. And it's given for you and me in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth. Born as one of us. Born among sinful people like you and me. People living under God's wrath. The only one who wasn't was him. He never sinned. He never transgressed by going too far. He never sinned by being selfish and not going far enough. He loved God with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength. He loved people like you and me every day and every minute and every second of his life. And we hated him. And so you know the story. He was betrayed by his friends. He was arrested and he was nailed to a cross where he bled and he died as a sacrifice for our transgressions, as a sacrifice for our sins. That's love. A love that laid down its life for you. A love that came from heaven to earth for you. A love that saw that you were helpless and you could not save yourself. And instead of saying, you get what you deserve, said, I'm going to come and rescue you. I'm going to give everything that's necessary so that you can be safe now and for all eternity. We deserve wrath and he bore that wrath. We deserve punishment, and he took the punishment on himself. We deserve death, and he died our death for us so that we might be made alive with him. I was listening to one of my favorite preachers preach this passage this week, and there's a little link we're showing us testimony about just walking into church one day thinking you're a Christian. Uh, a little boy came to church, and he decided he wanted to join church. Don't know how old he was. I think older than Shona, younger than Shona was when she first came here. 
And uh, the leaders were trying to suss out if he understood what it meant to be part of the church. And so they said, do you understand the gospel? And the boy said, yes. And so what is it then? He said, well, I did my part and Jesus did his part. And the church leaders were sure the little boy hadn't understood the gospel. So they said, well, what do you mean? And he said, I did the sinning and he did the saving. I did the sinning, he did the saving. You've heard it from Sean, you've heard it from Calvin, you'll hear it every week from this platform. We do the sinning, he does the saving, and he brings us to new life in Christ. And it's all of grace. So the third and final thing today, the final part of this good news, is we can live today by grace in Christ. Repeatedly, he says there here, did you see it? It talks about the fact in verse 5, it's by grace you've been saved. But it's not the last time Paul mentions it. He talks about the incomparable riches of grace. And then in verses 8 and 9, he comes back to it again. He says, it's by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works so no one can boast. A terrible lie has got out. It's that good people go to heaven. I used to be a school teacher in Hartcliffe. Whenever I started teaching Christianity, the first thing that came up when I said, what do Christians believe was nearly always good people go to heaven. No, no, that's good dogs go to heaven, and that's a cartoon. The reality is this. There are no good people to go to heaven, only people forgiven by God's amazing, incredible, boundless, incomparable grace. It's a gift. Even if you have faith, it's a gift. It's not that some people are the faith type and some aren't. You know, that's just not how it works. God gives us the gift of faith to believe. He's given Shona the gift of faith. He's given Kelvin the gift of faith. He's given many people around this globe the gift of faith to believe in him. So Shona can't believe that she's smarter than everyone else she knows. Kelv can't say he was the best soldier that ever lived. And that's why he got saved. It's grace. Grace all the way. And once you're saved, it gives you a new purpose in living. We've seen it with these two. We've seen it with many others. That you find there's a new reason to live because God's prepared good works in advance for us to do now. And it will never end, that purpose. That purpose is ongoing into all eternity. In my first teaching job, I used to work up in Down End School. And I used to love it when the head of year eight did the assembly. I heard this a couple of times. Jesus had a story about a friend of hers who was a little old lady. So you can now picture a little old lady in your head, but don't look around. Okay, so, little old lady. And every year, she would go up to London on the train. I don't know how many of you have done that. I know some are going soon up to London for a weekend away. And she would go window shopping. In all the shops, she couldn't afford to buy anything. You ever done that? I've done that where you go to Harrods or Selfridges. And you just look at the labels and you think, yeah, yeah, that's not coming anywhere near my house. And if you've got children, you're like, don't touch anything. No one touch. Walk around with your hands like this. Because you don't want anything being broken. Well, this little old lady was doing her usual. And she was in the antique furniture department. And she'd found a lovely, comfy armchair. And she sat down in this lovely, comfy armchair, which she never could have afforded. And it was comfy. And it looked just right with her sat in it. But that was as close as she was ever going to get until 
A little American chap wandered up to her who was also shopping at the same time. He said to her, do you like that chair? She said, yeah, I do, but I could never afford it. He said, would you like me to buy it for you? She thought, what have I got to lose? So she went up to the till with this American chappie she had never met before, gave over her address. It was all filled in, ready for delivery. She disappeared off. And a few days later, the van from this exclusive store pulled up on her street, and the guys got out and carried in her chair and unwrapped it all and put it, pried a place in her lounge for her to sit in. And there was a label on it. Simply said, with love from Dustin Hoffman, the American film star. For those of you who are younger who don't know who he is, because he's pretty old, if you've seen Kung Fu Panda, he's the voice of Master Shifu. Okay, so that was who she happened to run into that day. Pretty amazing, hey? Pretty kind. Pretty good. And yet that chair in the living room is nothing to the seat that is ready for Shona. Nothing compared to the seat that's ready for Calvin. Nothing compared to the seat that is ready for anyone who trusts in Jesus Christ. Let me finish with this. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters here this morning, life here is hard. Life here is often a struggle, but life here isn't all there is. You have a seat in heaven waiting for you. You have a place at the table of the king. A day is coming when we will feast with our king. We will sit down at the family table and eat in his presence. And what a day of rejoicing that will be. But there's more. Because the family is significant. Father and son have a business. Do you know what it is? It's running the universe. And round the family table, it's not just a dining table, it is the boardroom table. And the Bible says you have a seat there too, where one day, because of grace, you will have a purpose to rule and reign with Christ over this universe for all eternity and all because of grace. Do you deserve your place at that table? No, you do not. Do I deserve my place there? How could I? And yet because of the amazing grace of Jesus Christ, which we're about to celebrate, as Shona and Kelvin are baptized, they have a place there for all eternity, a place in the family now, a place that's based on forgiveness, grace, love, and mercy, and based, as Kelvin told us time and again, on Jesus Christ, our Savior Lord and King. Let me pray. Father God, these are amazing truths. Dead, disobedient, deserving of your wrath. 
All we could have had, all we could have hoped for was an eternity without you rightly paying for what we have done wrong, the damage we have done. And yet in your mercy, Lord Jesus, sent by your Father, you came and you rescued us. And for so many of us, you've brought us into your family. You've poured out your grace on us. Many times we've fallen. Many times we've stumbled. Many times we've lost our grip on you, but you have never and will never, ever lose your grip on us. And so, Father God, I pray today for those here who know you, that they would refocus, that they would fix their eyes on Jesus, that they would remember that in Christ and in Christ alone, all of our hope is found. And for those visiting today, Lord, the many here today who aren't regularly part of this church, Lord, I can't see into their hearts, but you can. And Lord, I pray that you would rescue, that you would save, that the same miracle of grace that has touched millions of lives around this globe would touch hearts even here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.